All the time. Amen. Please be seated. <laughs> Hands up if you know the shortest verse in the Bible. Anybody want to shout it out? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. He wept for you. He wept for me. He wept for everyone. He weeps today in our suffering. So let us just take a moment of prayer before I bring God's word to us this morning. As we remember this last year, far from over, but yet hope arises. Far from over, but hope is arising. Hope has come. Jesus weeps over his city. Jesus weeps for those in suffering. Father, as we come to you this glorious morning, we know there are people suffering, hurting, desperate, grieving, stuck, alone. Father, we know you are the vaccination for our souls. It is because of this day that we celebrate commemorating that time when Mary and the disciples turned up at the tomb and it was empty. For a moment, they felt completely confused. Lord, through this last year, many of us have been confused, fearful, worried, suffering. All the way through it, you have been there and you have wept with those that have wept as you weep with those that weep today. Father, show us the hope that you have for your nations, the hope that you have for the world. Reveal to us that Jesus Christ is the one that can help us to make sense and to push through. Father, we thank you for all those that have given up their time to serve in a time such as this. We thank you for the churches that have been able to provide the services that they provide, whether it's online or in person. We thank you, Lord, that millions more volunteers have been recruited over this last year than ever before. It is estimated that we will have an increased 4 million volunteers as we come out of lockdown. That is phenomenal. Good news comes out of bad. Your word says in Romans 8:28 For goodness can come out of those that love God if we persevere, if we look to the cross. Lord, many of us have been journeying through the cross this week, commemorating that day that Jesus walked in, drove rode into Jerusalem on a colt and spent the last week ministering and sharing what was about to come, what was about to happen. Even he wept in the garden. So he understands when we weep. Lord, we thank you that even in this church, as many churches have stood on the front line in vaccination centers and supporting those that have got COVID. Lord, we thank you for churches that have been able to open and be used as a vaccination center. Father, your church has rose during these times. And we thank you, Lord, for your faithful, obedient people. We thank you for those that are doing all they can to ensure safety 
and a reduced risk of COVID-19. Father, we thank you that there is always hope because of that day of resurrection, because of that day when they found the tomb empty, everything changed. They started to believe and understand your word for the first time. When they thought they knew your word, they began to discover something more poignant about your word. He has risen. Death has been defeated. There is no victory in death. Death, where is your sting? It has no power or authority. It has been beaten. So will all the viruses of this world be beaten. Father, we thank you that you are constantly, constantly at work, moving by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, help us to receive you again now. Help us to receive you for the first time again. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got a Bible of any kind and you'd like to follow, beautiful sunshine, but it doesn't always help when you're trying to read from an electrical device. And I was going to bring an actual hard copy Bible. I think I should have done. So I will attempt to do it. Can I move this mic without destroying anything? I'm worried that what I do may cause a problem. June would say that's every day. John 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon, Peter, and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started, for the started running for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outrun Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, in his normal fashion, rushes in, came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold 
on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. want to share something with you I read a little while ago. Um, bear with me because some of you might think it's getting a bit, um, a bit uh, I don't know, tight for comfort. But um, I've, I've totally, it didn't have a title. And I've put it as good arguments to prove the identity of Jesus. There were three good arguments that Jesus was black. He called everyone brother. He liked gospel. He didn't get a fair trial. Don't get political on me, just bear with me. But then there were three equally good arguments that Jesus was Jewish. He went into his father's business. He lived at home until he was 33. He was sure his mother was a virgin and his mother was sure he was God. Hold on. Hopefully it gets better, not worse. There are three equally good arguments that Jesus was Italian. He talked with his hands. He had wine with his meals. He used olive oil. There are three equally good arguments that Jesus was Californian. He never cut his hair. He walked around barefoot all the time. He started a new religion. Then there were three equally good arguments that Jesus was an American Indian. He was at peace with nature. He ate a lot of fish. He talked about the great spirit. But then there were also three equally good arguments that Jesus was Irish. He never got married. He was always telling stories and he loved green pastures. But the most compelling evidence of all these arguments or the three proofs that Jesus was a woman. Ah, heresy, I hear you shout. He fed a crowd at a moment's notice when there was virtually no food. He kept trying to get a message across to a bunch of men who just didn't get it. And even when he was dead, he had to get up because there was still work to be done. Now, I hope that wasn't too offensive to anyone. Uh, can you hear the, some of the women go, there. But who would have thought it? This story that has been the centre of discussions since that day. It was the centre of discussions before that. When will the Messiah come? How will we know when the Messiah is here? How will we know when we are free, a free people? How will it, what will it look like? What will it feel like? And who, all Gospels, the four Gospels, all claim that Mary, at least Mary, was the first one. And there are obviously Mary, Mary, Mag that's Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Joanna or Salome. Depends what um, gospel you're reading. It's the same name, apparently. So there, there was at least three women that arrived first. The men came afterwards. Now, they all agree. It was very unusual for men to let women have this limelight. Remember, this is 20 plus years later that they've written these accounts, but they all concur. Now, some, some people would argue the fact that, well, there you go. You know, it's unlikely to be a true story. Of course, it's likely to be a true story. It's a center of discussion to this day. It's, it's only been about 200 years um, that we've really disputed the, the resurrection. Prior to the um, 
formation of the Roman Catholic Church and Christianity, it was disputed for a short while. It was disputed here. They did not understand. Mary was in absolute floods of tears. She was wailing. They've stolen the body. They've taken him. Who's taking him? She didn't even reckon. Isn't this beautiful? The gardener. She recognizes the gardener. This is the new Adam. This is a reflection of the beginning of the story, the beginning of the scriptures, the beginning of what we would say is time. This, this is a, a comparison, a garden. Side story here. We're going to have a garden, a, a community garden in this church. Uh, I know we haven't, have we voted? Did we vote? It was a, it was a general consensus, wasn't it? That we're going to have a community garden where people can come and be and just receive what God wants to pour into their lives. And I love this account where she only recognized him when she thought he was the gardener, when he was doing whatever gardeners do. I'm not very good at, well, I'm good at digging stuff up, but I'm not good at planting and growing things. Um, June does all of that. I'm, I'm the brawn and she's the brains, but I don't like to make that too public. I think I just have, haven't I? Goodness me, we're going live. So there you go, you've got it from the horse's mouth. But this wonderful image of the gardener, she didn't recognise him at first. I, I guess she was going, who's taking him? Is it the wrong tomb? Have I come to the wrong place? Well, that, there's no evidence to support that because all the Gospels in the chapter before of every Gospel talks about uh, Joseph of Arimathea who, who, who said, I want to put Jesus in the tomb. Went to Pilate personally and, and got the body personally and had Jesus put in the tomb personally to make sure that he honoured him. Now, John is the only gospel that says he was a disciple. All the others says he was an upright man, a righteous man, a man who, who didn't agree with the decision to hand Jesus over. But John says he's a disciple. John um, sees this man as somebody who's committed to Christ, to following Christ. Also, it was he was also uh, the belief is he was trying to make sure that the body of Jesus was not left there to be ravaged by by dogs and by by others, um, so that they could preserve his body. Now, Mary Magdalene and um, and the other ladies were wanting to anoint his body but they couldn't do it because it was a sabbath so there's so much evidence to support the verification of jesus being put in the tomb as well as jesus not being in the tomb on that day on 36 hours later on the third day the tomb was empty another striking um reality to this to the accounts is that the linen was on where Jesus was laying, as if the body had disintegrated, disappeared, but the head part was folded up neatly. Now, if anybody's going to steal a body, if they got past a Roman officer, probably more than one, they would have been fortunate to get that far, but to roll the stone away, which would have, I don't know, been approximately a weight of a ton, would have taken quite a few um, men, Maybe women as well. Let's not push them out. If they got that far, they would not have hung around and tidied up. I don't even tidy up. When I get dressed and changed and showered, somebody else does. I've got, a, I've got some wonderful fairy in my house that tidies up after me. And it's not my children. Okay? But this, this story is 
indisputable. You cannot dispute it. They've been trying to dispute it since 2,000 years, and it's become a popular subject to try to disprove Jesus. They have not found the body. They're still, I, I remember reading the news that they, they were claiming that they were near finding the body of Jesus. They will not unless they meet him face to face, from the heart to the heart, unless they see him in the risen Lord. When you found Jesus, you can do nothing more but follow him. When you see Jesus, there's no dispute that he has risen and he is alive and he is the vaccination for our souls. Well, what is it that they did not understand the scriptures? Now, that this worries me, this bit, where they didn't understand the scriptures of old, the Old Testament. And that can, gives me concern to make sure, am I understanding the scriptures right today? Well, depends, I suppose, how we choose to read the scriptures. Because I remember when I was a dairy manager, I took over this dairy in Northampton. And uh, I went on every round, every route with the milkman to make sure I knew the route and got to know each milkman. And there was milk ladies as well. And my, one of my objectives was to share the gospel with them. And I remember chatting with this guy uh, and he said, I've read the Bible from front to back three times and it does nothing for me. And I said, well, I think you're reading it wrong. I wonder how you read the Bible. I wonder where you are in your relationship with God through the scriptures and through Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just use um, something here. Here I've got the first source, the original source, dating back, way back to 1985, right? A long time ago when I wrote love letters to my wife. They're here. I can't let you read them, <laughs> all right? That's why they're sealed, hidden in the house somewhere. Charlie's looking over and going, I'm going to look for those. There could be some juicy stuff in there. And he's probably going, no, nah, actually, no, I don't want to look into those. But these are the original love letters that June kept, that I sent her. They've got the address on there, and they've got the spelling mistakes in there. And um, they've got loads of stuff you can't see unless you've got really good eyesight. Yeah. <laughs> so, um camera you're going to zoom in now oh dear um but these are the original love letters we keep some of our well june kept her love letters i must confess i can't find the love letters that she sent me shame on me it's not looking good for me this morning is it really um but um how do you read the scriptures do you read it as if god is speaking to you personally God has a message for all of us. When Paul saw Christ on that journey to Damascus, his eyes were opened. When they went into the tomb that morning and when they started to, to think about what had gone on, it all started to click. And that's when the journey began. That's when the new life began. That's when they started to see the scriptures in a new light. That's when they started to see themselves in a new light. That's when they started to see each other in a new light. The new world had become available to them. The new world of God, the kingdom of God became so tangible. The t curtain was torn. There was no longer a priest that stood in the way. It was just Jesus Christ. You only had to come to the one who weeps over you. And he weeps over each and every one of us every time we slip further away from him. Whether you have committed your life to Christ or not, sometimes we find ourselves slipping away. And we, we, go, we go places where we, we don't know why we've gone there cognitively, socially, spiritually. We go places where we just drift into. You know, so many churches drift into being 
church. And they don't know why they exist. Because they drift. So many relationships drift. I've gone way off my notes, by the way. This is not what I've written down. This is going a little bit off, so I do apologize. Um, I might send that one out and you might get a better sermon. But we drift sometimes. If we don't remind ourselves through the love letters that are written directly to us or for us. These were not, the Bible is not written to us, it's written for us. If we don't return to the love letter, the love language of God, we start to drift. And during this pandemic, sadly, many people, church people, have drifted. They're not too sure where they should be anymore. They've lost perspective. They've lost the love language that connected them with an awesome, almighty God that even raises people from the dead. Who can confess that they were once dead and now they are alive? Just raise your hand if that's you. I was once dead and now I'm alive. That's what this is all about. We were once dead, but now we're alive. No matter what your past has been, no matter what the state of your life is today, God forgives. All we have to do is come to the one who weeps for us, who weeps over us and his tears drop on us and they transform us and they give us living water. They give us new life. We are reborn. We are no longer held back by the past or by the present. We move forward in the new kingdom, in the new body, in the new heaven that's coming before us. We have one foot in heaven and one foot on earth and we are starting to see this world from the perspective of God's perspective, not somebody else's. And we see people in a new light. We have something to give to them that is life-giving. That is a vaccination that will protect their souls from the enemy that surrounds them and tries to bring them down. We have Jesus Christ, who is the life-giving vaccination that shows us the way to the kingdom of God. That tomb was empty. That tomb is empty. What is your tomb like? Is your tomb empty? Have you risen from the dead? Have you found yourself going back to the tomb? Sometimes we can fall back into that trap where everything is too much. And this pandemic has been a struggle for so many people. But we have a living hope. We are a new creation, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. We are a new creation. We've always been a new creation. Just that we're in danger of drifting. Let us not drift. I want to read from um, 1 Corinthians 15. I was reminded by when I was looking at this text. Paul is saying um, some 20 years later, now he's come alive in Christ. He did not go to the tomb, but he's holding on to this message. Every one of those disciples died proclaiming what they knew. How many people die proclaiming what they know? Every one of them. Paul says, for I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried 
and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas or Caiaphas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared. You notice he says men, not the women. He might have left that bit out. I don't know. I haven't looked into that very much. I just noticed that there. Anyway, then, then if that wasn't enough, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters. Well done, Paul. At one time, most of whom are still alive on that day when he writes, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to someone untimely born, he says, referring to himself. He appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles. I'm fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God untimely he had only longed to see jesus in the physical person that was his only regret everything else we learn about paul he suffered for christ for me to live is christ die to die is gain it's hard to hold on to those words when we're not facing our own um, mortality but I'm sure during this time, some people have had to face their mortality in this last 12 months. Some 127,000 in the UK have had to face their own mortality. But we know as difficult as that is, as distressing as that is, as heartbreaking as that is, we know that death has not beaten us. That's why I believe we're allowed to come here today. I was listening to um, uh, Justin Welby and he said, I feel I was too cautious this is on national TV, so I'm not saying anything he hasn't said. He said, I feel, because I don't have a personal appointment with him. Not, I'm not that important, obviously. He said that I feel I was just too cautious on lockdown one. And I guess that's why we've had the churches being allowed to open since the second lockdown because he felt he was too cautious. And he said that 60 to 80% of churches will be meeting today in one shape, form or another. And he backs up that by saying how the church has been fundamental in the times of crisis, how they have been the source of volunteering and the source of help and the source of responsibility in so many ways. So he commends the church. So I believe this nation will commend the church as long as we understand the lines, as long as we behave responsibly, as long as we, we work to making sure we keep each other safe, but never forgetting that Jesus has risen. I would encourage you, when you go home today, if you've get, got time, go through the four Gospels. Not all of them from beginning, well you can do that, but particularly the resurrection. John 20. Luke 20, see if I can remember now, Luke 24, Matthew 28, and Mark 16. Mark's slightly different because it's got um, from nine, verses 9 to 20, they are later editions. But 
don't worry too much about that. Um, but look and compare these differences. These stories have got different elements to them. And critics have, have argued, but they don't align. Well, that's the beauty of the story. is because if they were trying to prove that Jesus is alive and he really wasn't, they would have made sure their stories were absolutely accurate and word word perfect with each other and that's what makes this story even more authentic that these people wrote partly different accounts because this was such an awesome story and we get stuck into the detail the one thing that remains is the tomb was empty the tomb is empty he has risen he rises in you and in me right when we need him if you call out to Jesus he will meet you right where you are whether you do not believe yet or whether you've believed since the day you can remember whenever you call out to him he speaks to you Whenever you lift up the word of God, he will speak to you. Whenever you call upon the Holy Spirit. Sorry, I'm, I'm so restricted here. I've got to be so careful. I'm not going to knock anything over. I'm worried here. <laughs> you won't believe what's going through my head at the moment. I don't want to knock everything over. But if you call on the Holy Spirit, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you ask a believer to pray over you for the filling of the Holy Spirit, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that is the promise and that's what makes it possible for us to live in times such as this. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus sends them off and says, wait for my power will come upon you. My power will come upon you. And we're going to be celebrating Pentecost a little bit later in a few weeks. My power will come upon you. I wonder if you felt powerless over this last year. I certainly have. Coming to a new church and finding myself having to meet people through a screen behind my door to have my door shut and not to be able to let people just come and go as we once did is felt awful and it has but we're starting to see things lifted and we've got to hold on to the fact that God is good all the time even through lockdown God is good God is working his way and nothing holds the gospel back nothing could hold that stone back not even lockdown so a post on my Facebook feed said not even lockdown held the stone back Nothing holds you and me back from receiving what God wants to pour into your life. So we're just going to take a few moments as I read a bit of scripture. And if you want to respond to that this morning, then I invite you to, to allow God to meet you right where you are, wherever you are in life. Doesn't really, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. doesn't matter to anyone else. doesn't matter to God. He just loves you. He just loves you. And he weeps over you. And he is the gardener that will do all that's necessary in your life to get you right, to get you blossoming the way he knows is right for you. Let us just pause as I read these scriptures from each of the Gospels. John 20 verse 18. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and she told them that he had said these things Matthew 28 10 then Jesus said to them do not be afraid go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee there they will see me Luke 24 12 
But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what he had happened. Luke 24, verse 48. You are my witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with the power from high on high. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. Dying to sow, rising to grow. This is God's call upon the church. Die to sow, rising to grow into eternity. Once you walk through the door of love into the massive unshakable structure of Romans 8:28 everything works for good for those that love Christ everything changes there comes into your life stability and depth and freedom you simply can't be blown over anymore you can't be locked down you can't be hidden in a tomb the confidence that a sovereign God governs for your good all the pain and all the pleasure that you will ever experience is incomparable is an incomparable refuge and security and hope and power in your life father as we allow your Holy Spirit fill us with the power that comes from accepting you the risen Lord help us Lord any of us here this morning who do, do not feel worthy enough to receive you and to be cleansed by the living water by the blood of the lamb to be renewed to see ourselves as you see us father forgive our sins forgive us our past forgive us the things that we said that we shouldn't have said the things that we think that we shouldn't think the things that we see that we shouldn't see hear what we shouldn't hear do what we shouldn't do father set us free help us to believe that you are the risen lord and you rise in us each and every moment we allow you to rise in us as the perfect gardener, prune us, water us, tend us, shape us and mould us into the person that you had created us to be. For you see in us more than we can ever see in ourselves. Father, thank you for this day where we rise again because of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>